Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Amen. The wise man wrote, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The Amplified says it this way, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Basically, if I could paraphrase tonight, if there's something that you're going to guard, amen, make sure it's your heart. Amen. If you're going to take the time to guard something, make sure your heart is what is guarded. I want to, for just a few moments this evening, I want to talk to you concerning this subject, and that is the heart of the foundation. Amen. The heart of the foundation. Lord, we love you tonight, God, and we thank you for what we have felt. We're thankful for your presence, Lord, in this service this evening. We're thankful, God, for your word and its power and its authority. And I pray tonight, God, as you will minister to every heart and every mind. And Lord, give us understanding. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding today. We thank you. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Praise God. Look at your neighbor as you're seated here this evening and tell them you better guard your heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. The heart. Amen. The heart is the target for the counsel of Proverbs. Throughout the entire book, amen, it is found 97 times, amen, in the book of Proverbs with very different or various, rather, significations. It signifies reason in 41% of the time. Uh, it signifies emotions in 22%, trust in 20%, conscious choices in about 14%, and then concerning behavior in about 3%. This is within the book of Proverbs. It tells us that fools die for the lack of a heart. Uh, he who follows vain persons is devoid of a heart. And this certainly means devoid of a wise or an understanding heart. The heart can be perverse. It can be heavy. It can be sick. It can be merry. It can be proud. It can be wise. Or it could be hard. The heart is, as we've read here tonight, it's the source of life. One must open one's heart to understanding, to wisdom, to counsel. It can also be open to evil counsel, if we're not careful. Planning the intellectual activity and the functions of the heart. The term is used for both, again, conscious activity and also behavior. Heart. Heart is a word that Proverbs uses to describe the entire internal life of a person. It's the internal reflection of the person. The most used meaning in the rational or is the rational faculties of a person. It's, it's basically what we call the mind. When we say the mind, we're talking about the heart and the mind. They're the same thing. To concentrate, so on. It is the religious center of a person, amen, which orients the mind, the will, the emotions. Hence, again, the source of life. 
It was when I was younger, and I again was raised not in an apostolic setting, in a church setting, but in the church in which I was raised, I was, I was always told and it was always emphasized the need to give what to Jesus? Give your heart, surrender your heart to the Lord. Amen. What the heart loves is at the issue. Does it love folly or does it love wisdom? Does it love God or does it love evil? The heart of a man is the proper target for counsel. Through again, it is his life is comprehended. The heart. The heart is the foundation of the human soul. Amen. I, I'm, I'm so thankful this, this evening uh, uh, when, when I, can tell, uh, I can tell God or I can tell my wife, I love you with all my heart. The heart is the symbol of the, the seed of our emotions. It's our mind. Now, there are some cultures in the world today that they, they associate other organs of the body. <laughs> Amen. There is one in the uh, jungles of Africa. I forget the exact tribe's name, but, but they, they, they associate the seed of emotions with their bowels. Amen. I'm glad I'm an American, aren't you? I love, the Lord. I love you with all my heart. But, but again, that, that's a different culture. But the, the meaning is still the same. What, what makes me who I am, the, my, my thought processes, my desires, my emotions, all of that is seated within what we call the heart. The heart is the foundation of the human soul. Reality is that as the heart is, so goes the man. Amen. Foundation. The word foundation defined, it's a basis upon which something stands or something that's supported. It's an underlying base or support. It's a very important part of any construction. Amen. The condition of the heart determines what the life is going to be built upon. It is so important, amen. Matter of fact, it is of the utmost important that your heart is right with God. My, my father-in-law always made this analogy, and I've, I've, you know, I've never forgotten it, but he would always say, if, 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 you're, if you've got water in a well, and if that water is runt, it doesn't matter what color you paint the pump. You've got to get to the source to begin there to change the effect. And so my heart has got to be right with God. That's where it has to begin, because the heart is the foundation. The foundation is just that. It's the foundation or it's the, it's the base of a structure. If the foundation is weak or if the, if the foundation is inadequate, then the structure is going, going to be limited in its desired function. I'm not a builder by no means. I'm, I'm not at all. But I, I have enough basic understanding, which I'm sure many, most of us here tonight has, to realize that a foundation is a very important, important part of a building. Now, there's, a, there's an image I want to show you. And many of you probably, have, I don't know, maybe some of you have been there. I, I would say most of us hasn't. But we are probably familiar with this image of, of what's called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Amen. It's over in Italy, and the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it was first built in seven, or 1173. It was built as a bell tower for the, for the town Pisa. It's their uh, cathedral. And, and five years after it was built, the tower started leaning. Amen. 
A hundred years later, there were four more floors that was added uh, to this already leaning tower. And as you can imagine, guess what happened? It started leaning more. In 1838, another very bright architect decided to dig out a walkway around the tower so visitors could see its base. Well, when this happened, guess what? It accelerated the tower's lean. The tower today, every year, it leans another 120th of an inch every single year. And eventually, as time goes on, there's a, there's a restaurant that's in the shadow of that, of that tower. And one of these days, that tower is going to be in that restaurant. Amen. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Millions of people travel there and, and, and want to see that and take pictures. And, and they'll hold their hand up at an angle to make it look as if they're holding it up. But the reason that that tower is known as the Tower or the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it's because of its foundation. Its foundation was not adequate. All of this is because no one thought that the foundation was that important. Amen. A foundation... It's the part of your house that no one else sees. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't read in any decorator's magazine that says, this is how you decorate your foundation. Nobody sees it. It's not something that is, that, is, that is publicized, if you will. But it's the part that no one sees, but it is the most important part of your home. It's the part that holds your structure firm when the high winds blow and the rains and the storms come through during the night. It's the foundation that holds it in its place. That's why, as I'm mentioning here tonight, the heart is the foundation. It's what holds you together. It's what keeps you moving forward. It's, it's what helps you continue the right focus in your life. We all know the story in the Word of God, the parable that Jesus mentions about the wise man and the foolish man. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. You know, I don't know. I've, I've heard it preached many times. And some say, well, the reason for that was it was just more convenient. It was, it was easier to access and... And I don't know exactly why, just the fact of the matter is the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And when the winds and the rain came, guess what happened? There was no foundation for the house to stand upon and it was washed away. But the wise man built his house upon the rock. Amen. That rock, meaning it was a strong and a sturdy foundation. And when the storms came, that house remained standing because it was on a solid foundation. I can't say it enough here tonight how important it is that you and I have a strong and solid foundation in our walk with God. The foundation of your entire life is built upon the condition of your heart. Psalms 11 verse 2 says, For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. And then verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous See, the foundation, it, again, if you will, it's below the surface. It's not seen. It's, it, can, it can easily be undetected by others. Uh, amen. But we know the one that sees all. 
But the reality is that the enemy, the adversary of our soul, what does he do? Amen. He's more concerned about the foundation. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, tonight, I know that we're apostolic, and I'm thankful for everything we have. I'm thankful for our holiness standards. But let me tell you, the devil don't mind you looking holy if your heart's wicked. Amen. He don't mind you looking and walking and acting like you're the part. But if your heart is still wicked, if your foundation is faltering, he knows that he can get you. Again, they shoot secretly at the upright in the heart. There is so much that is done in the shadows. The enemy operates. He gets his power from darkness. It's the things that are done in the secret that, that maybe nobody else is aware of. But he knows exactly the tactics that he's doing. It's the darkness where the enemy does his work. Secrecy is his greatest weapon that he can use as long as we allow them to operate in secrecy. Amen. Light will never come. I'm thankful for light, aren't you? I'm thankful tonight that, amen, my God is not a God of darkness, uh, but He is a God of light. Uh, amen. And that's why sometimes, uh, and well, not just sometimes, but when conviction uh, falls in a service, when it falls in our own life, we, don't, we aren't real comfortable with that because what that, what that is to our flesh is, is that's God coming in and, and He's turning lights on that we would rather keep in darkness. Uh, but He knows that He's got to get, if He gets the light in there, it can be exposed. And, and what He does is He renders the enemy helpless. I've shared the story many times of a young man that came to church and I was preaching and never had met this young man, didn't know who he was, had no idea what his background was. And, and as I was preaching, God, God began to just, just kind of spark in my mind some, some thoughts that I didn't have in notes. And I started preaching about certain things and particular issues. And, and, and after the service, I wasn't even going to, to talk to him. I was going to pray with someone that was standing in front of him. And he jumped over the back pew and ran out the door. I thought, well, that's, that's not a common uh, 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 reaction. But, and, and then later on, he, he told his, his, his cousin that went to church there, he said, he said, I don't know who's been talking to that preacher. But he started telling all these things, and, and somebody's been telling him about my life story. And finally, we were able to explain to him that there was, this was not anybody who told me that was the Holy Ghost. That was, but not just that, but it was conviction that he was feeling, and he felt vulnerable. But I'm telling you, you may feel vulnerable, and your flesh may resist it, but it's the best place for you to be, amen, for light to come in and pierce the darkness. Amen. The enemy knows that if our foundation becomes shaky or if it becomes uh, damaged or cracked, uh, there's no hope for the righteous. Matthew 12 and 34, Jesus said, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. You, you, can't, you can't alter the heart. Amen. You, you can dress it up. You can make things look different. You can put different masks on. You can act a certain way. But let me tell you, the heart is what it is. And I, I, I've learned, and, and, and it's something, I, I've, been, I've been raised in a religious environment. I, I used to think, well, if I just pray a certain prayer, everything will be okay. Amen. And then, you know, I've been in Pentecost now for 30 plus years, and Amen. And, and sometimes we get this mentality that, well, if I can just have a Holy Ghost shout down, everything will be okay. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having a Holy Ghost shout down. 
But if you're relying on a one-time experience to alter your life, you're missing the whole point. This is something I've got to do daily. Lord, I've given you access. I'm surrendering my heart to you every single day because I'm telling you, the adversary is relentless. And I want to be open and transparent before God every day of my life because my heart, it is, it is above all, it is deceitful. Amen. My heart is, I mean, I can't control it. That's why you, you can't will yourself to be a better person. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, there's things that you can do and, and there's habits you can form and all that may be beneficial. But when it comes to really changing who you are, it's got to start here at the heart. And there's only one, amen, that can do that. Amen. His blood was shed for you and I to change our very lives. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said in verse 21, <clears throat> For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure. It, it, it's meaning that where, 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 where you place your value, where you place your priority. Amen. Every, these last couple Monday nights during our prayer, Amen. I've, I've, I've just felt very led of, of the Lord, and, and we have began our prayer meeting with a time of repentance. And uh, more than just, okay, Lord, I repent, forgive me of my sin, but, but a time where we, we allow God the opportunity to search us. David prayed, or he said in Psalms 139, search me, O God, and know my heart, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. I want to give you complete access, God. I want you to get in my life. I want you to get in my heart. I want you to search it because I don't have the ability to do it myself. Because where my treasure is, where I, what I value, that's where my heart's going to be. And, and so what, what determines what I, what I value? What, what is it that determines what I place in priority? Well, it's kind of one and the same. If I can't control my heart, then in theory, I, I, I'm not able to control my where my treasure is. Well, that, that's true. That's why we've got to have salvation. That's why, amen, it's a gift. It's, amen, we are saved by, by, by grace and, amen, through faith. But, but it's through salvation that guess what happens? This thing, my heart starts changing, which then does what? It changes my desires. It changes my priorities. It changes my values. Romans chapter 12, amen. Paul, in his writing, he says... In verse 1, he says, I teach you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. There's nothing unreasonable when it comes to living for God. Amen? It's your reasonable service. But then, verse 2, he says, do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, or we could insert their heart. Amen. There's got to be a transformation takes place when our heart is renewed. And the only thing that can renew our heart and our mind, amen, is the power of God in our life. His salvation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're a new creature in God. Amen. Something I, I want to share tonight. I, I, I come across this this week and it got my attention. Maybe I can, you know, have you ever had something you want to say, but it don't come out the way you want to say it? And people look at you like, what are you talking about? Well, I hope that you don't look at me like, what are you talking about here in just a second, okay? In, in Genesis chapter 1, 
In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We do believe God's a creator, right? We believe in creation, absolutely. In creation, when God was creating the everything, <laughs> amen, when he got to about whatever day it is here, when he, when he starts creating the things in the sea, the fish and the, the beast of the, of the earth, God spoke to where it came from, not to what it is or what it would be. Now, let me explain. Verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass. He didn't speak grass become, but he spoke to the earth and said, let the earth bring forth grass. Verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass. There's power in the creative word, the spoken word of God. Now, verse 20, then God said, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures. He spoke to the water, amen, to, and basically to bring forth the, the abundance of, of, of living creatures within the sea. Amen. And uh, verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, and cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind. So he spoke to where it was going to come from, Amen. And then it became what he created. Now, something that I have always thought was so interesting, amen, is I, I have, I've, never, I've never been salmon fishing, but I would love to. But the salmon has always just, the, I remember as a kid in grade school, the, the, the teacher telling about salmon and how, how a salmon is, is hatched in, in, in the fresh water, uh, especially in the northwest, up, up on the Pacific coast. The salmon is hatched in inland, in the fresh waters of, of streams. And then the salmon, as it, as it gets older, it then goes out into the salt water of the, of the ocean, in the Pacific Ocean. And, and, and from my own research, I found that sometimes that, that salmon, that king salmon, it'll live out there in the ocean for about two or three years, swimming around and being a salmon, whatever a salmon does. Amen. But the, the amazing thing about a salmon is that they will make their way back into the fresh waters of the inland streams. But not just going from the salt water to the fresh water. That's, that's pretty amazing. But the thing about a salmon is that it will go back to the exact location of which it was hatched. How do they do that? They ain't got GPS or Google. or Now again, I don't know. I don't understand how they figure this stuff out. But the scientists say... That there's, a, there's a few things. There's a, there's, a, there's a magnetic pole, which I don't understand how that works in the salmon, but nevertheless. But the thing that really caught my attention was that, that they said that, that the, the months before it makes, begins to make its migration back into the fresh waters, that the, I don't know what to call them, the, I guess the smelling glands of whatever, are, are, begin to grow at a rapid rate. And again, I don't understand how they figure this out, but they can, you can take one drop of, their, of the waters of, from where they were hatched and put it in 250 gallons of seawater, and that salmon will detect its, home, its own water. So basically, that salmon on its migration is being led by its nose because it smells however he does this. 
the waters from which he was hatched. And that salmon will make it back to where his origin was. That's awesome. I think it's awesome. There's a place in Mexico that there's an abundance of hummingbirds. Like thousands of hummingbirds. And um, I, I, I forget the name. I, I was going to, anyway, I forget the name of the place. But, but you go there, I believe about this time of year, maybe a little early, you'll find that there's just thousands of hummingbirds. The hummingbird migrates to this place in Mexico. Now here's the, the irony of the, of the hummingbird. Now the hummingbird is the only bird that can flutter its wings so fast that it can actually fly in reverse. But the thing about a hummingbird is it can only fly for about 15 minutes because he flutters his wings so fast. He burns up all his energy. And so the hummingbird's got to stop and rest. So how does the hummingbird get from the mainland of America all the way to the coast of southern Mexico? They don't know how. But that bird migrates there every year. Now some, is interesting, some say they hitchhike. They get on the backs of other birds, seagulls and things like that. I don't know, but all they know is that, that there's a time of year where all these hummingbirds have migrated to here, and then later on they make it back here. I don't, it's amazing to me. It's like the bumblebee. The bumblebee on paper should not fly. Its wings are too small. But how many has ever seen a, a bumblebee fly? <laughs> Amen. God is creator. But the thing that blows my mind, and I, I read something else about the, what is it called? The Galapagos tortoise? You ever seen those things? They, think, they, like, like, they like live like 150 years. And, and, and when they're on land, they're, they're slow. They, a, a human can walk about two miles an hour. They, 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 they crawl at about 0.5. Amen. So the story between the tortoise and the hare, it's true. They're slow. But you get that same slow tortoise on land, you get that tortoise in water, oh my goodness, that thing can move. And they will migrate for thousands of miles. Amen. They'll, 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 they'll go around the, the southern tip of Africa. And, but then guess what? Guess what they do? They come back to the very beaches and shores in which there was their origin. The migration of animals. It's amazing. Amen. Many of which migrate back to their place of origin. But that was how they were created. They were created by the spoken word of God to where they would come from. But man was not created by the spoken word. The Bible says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. <laughs> Praise God. We were, we were formed by the very hands of God. And we were the, the, light, the life, the, the soul, we went, the breath of life was breathed into us. Mankind is the only creation that can make a choice. Amen. What, what causes the salmon to think, I'm going to go back to my home? Nobody knows. It's just in their instinct. What, what causes the, the, the goose and the geese to decide it's time to go back home to the north? Well, they don't have calendars. They don't have daytime. It's in their instinct. Mankind is the only creation that can make our own choices. But when we get to heaven, amen, 
God is going to be able to look at our adversary. Amen. And, that, and, 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 and let him know that after everything that he threw in our direction, everything he used to entice us, to appeal to the, to the flesh, the pride of, the pride of life, the, 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 the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. All, all of those things that the enemy has tried to get our attention and be a distraction to us. Amen. To try to get us to follow our flesh. God is going to be able to say that those right here that have made it into the redeemed, those are the ones that have made a choice to love me. Amen. I wish I could tell you today that once you become a child, once you're born again, born of the water and of the spirit, I wish I could tell you that, hey, from then on, you'll never have another temptation. But we all know there's still a nature inside of us. There's still a flesh that if we're not careful, that flesh can get the best of us. Amen. But the reason that Jesus is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is because we've been faithful. But the reason we've been faithful is is the heart of our foundation has stayed right with him. Hallelujah. Oh, Judas. Judas. Amen. He had the privilege of having a front row seat. He was able to physically walk beside the very footsteps of God. Amen. Mary Magdalene, when she broke the alabaster's box and anointed the, the feet of, of Jesus, and it was, it was Judas that said, well, that's a waste. See, he held, the, he held the money back. He was the treasure, if you will. Amen. The Bible says, and I, I may get a little bit of this confused, but amen, he, uh, where, where he hung himself, I forget exactly where, what it's called, called but but it was, a, it was a property that he had, that it was his. It wasn't property that he bought with the 30 pieces of silver that, that he received when he denied the Lord. Because that, that 30 pieces of silver, he threw away. Amen. Where did he get the money to buy the field that he was hung in, that he hung himself in? Well, again, scholars may consider that it was because of the, maybe he, he dipped in the bag a few times and, and, and took out money. The reality is here he was able to walk with Jesus, able to hear the teaching, able to be in his presence, but his heart wasn't right. He didn't walk with God. Judas walked with men who were walking with God. Judas, amen, walked with men who were walking with God. I'm so glad that every one of you and every person that calls this sanctuary their, their place of worship, their home, I'm so glad that everyone is here Amen. But it takes more than just being in the building. Amen. If you're not walking with God, but you're just walking with people who are walking with God, that's not going to be enough. Because Judas had a relationship with the church. And he had a relationship with the fellowship he received from the church. But Judas didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My heart. I've got to have my heart right. In John 14 and 15, if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. You cannot separate loving Jesus and being obedient to his word. You can't separate the two. 
Keeping God's commandments and doing the things that are pleasing in his sight and loving him, those things are inseparable. If you love me, keep my commandments, he said. Amen. In verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Amen. I, I, I want to be obedient to his word. Amen. God chooses those who watch over their hearts. Amen. Again, our, the reading of our text is, guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life. I've, I've got to be, oh, goodness. We live in a world today, and, and we, I mentioned this, it might have been Monday night during prayer. There is so much, so many voices, so many things that are out there trying to get our attention. Amen. I, I, I made a reference to our, to our children and I realize children get restless. I, I, I get that. And sometimes it's so hard to bring my children to church because they're so, they're so erratic. But those same children, a lot of times, give them a game station or a gaming system. They'll sit for hours. Amen. I mean, they're, they're, you know why? They're engaged into that. That, that has their interest. That's literally. I mean, I have, and I have seen it with my own eyes. I have seen, I have seen young men that have played the game so long that they almost used the restroom where they were sitting because they were so engaged. They didn't want to get. I'm, it's crazy, but it's true. It gets their attention. What, what, what's more important? A game that doesn't do anything for you. Or the one that is going to give us eternal life. I know that's no, there's, no, there's no question there. But I'm just saying, it's the things that has our attention. It's the things that has our, what we got value. It's the things that we put in priority. Those are the conditions of the heart. And you say, well, pastor, I just have a hard time. Let me tell you, the reason you have a hard time is you can't do it on your own. You've got to have him to change this. But for him to change this, it takes you to surrender. God's not going to make anybody do anything. But I'm telling you, if you approach God with a surrendered heart, amen, He'll, he'll do the transforming. He'll, he'll do the changing. He'll, 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 he'll take the old and, and replace it with new. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're getting ready to land here in a moment. God told Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, one of his sons I'm going to anoint to be king of Israel. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's house and he tells Jesse, I need to see all of your boys. I need to have them come before me. And so the Bible says it was when they came that he, Samuel, looked at Eliab and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Amen. I don't, I don't know. The Bible don't give a lot of description here concerning what Eliab looked like, but, but I'm assuming Eliab must have been tall. Must have been good looking. Must have been a strong young man. Because that's what Saul was. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody. He just, you know, he looked like a king. And so obviously maybe Eliab looked the same. Surely Eliab would be the one whom God would choose to become the leader among his people. But notice what God's response was. In verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance. 
or at his physical stature because I've, I haven't chose him. I, I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Many Jewish scholars, and again, that's his, this is their opinion. I don't know. It can't, it can't be proven. But many Jewish scholars believe that the reason that David was never mentioned at the beginning by Jesse was because he was an illegitimate son of Jesse. We don't know this for sure. But David did write in Psalms 51 and 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Irregardless of what the reason was, the, the fact of the matter that, is that Jesse did not think that David was that king material. He didn't have him. He, he kept him out there on the pasture. Matter of fact, that's not even where his son should have been, but that's where he was. God knew the only thing that would keep David strong and keep David saved and unshakable was going to be the condition of his heart, the foundation of his life. David is known as what? A man after God's own heart. Psalms 24 and 3, who, my, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in His holy place? Or rather, who is fit to minister in the holy place? Well, verse 4 says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. See, God looked into the, into the soul of that little ruddy shepherd boy that day. And he knew that above all else, he would grow to be a man, a man with a determination to keep his heart clean and pure from the teeth of bitterness <laughs> that would try over and over again to penetrate into his heart and eventually try to destroy his life. You see, even when David fell into adultery with Bathsheba, the first thing he did was he placed a guard up and protection over his foundation or the territory of his heart when he wrote these words in Psalms 51 and verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. You see, where the heart goes, the man or woman will follow. What the heart speaks will reveal who or what that person has become. Oh God, I want my heart to be right. I want a pure heart. I realize tonight that we live in a world that is more and more ungodly as we go and there's so much out there there's it's hard to it's hard to not walk into this world and feel like you're getting dirty that's why church it's so important i don't want to just live this thing by just by deed i don't just want to walk with people that walk with god but i want to be one of those that walks with him i want my heart to be right i need i, I don't know about you but i recognize i i need him I don't have the ability to do this myself. I need Him. Whether it's been days or weeks since you began living for God or whether it's been years and decades, guess what? 
This old heart still needs to be tender. This heart needs to be pure. Amen. And it will not remain pure on its own. But that's why I've got to make a daily visit to an altar. Daily. God, I surrender myself to you. I've been talking about strongholds here lately. Strongholds in the lives of Christians. Things that we don't realize are there. and Things that we've maybe tolerated and didn't realize we were tolerating. But I'm telling you, the more you surrender yourself to God, what God does in your life, He'll walk into areas that you've kept the lights off. Maybe you didn't even realize that you were doing that. But He'll start turning lights on. Amen. I went, I, I, I've kind of went through that here these last few weeks. I've, I've really tried to be sincere. And God, I want to I open myself completely to you. I thought I had. And then God walks in my life and says, well, there's an area here. And I, I was not aware of it. Amen. I'm, I'm just saying tonight, church, I want to be, I want, you got to be intentional with this. This is not something that rubs off on you. It's not something that, that you're, you, you, you're infected because you, it's got to become an individual's decision. God, I want to be real. I want to be right. I want to be pure. And I've got, it's got to start in the foundation of my soul, my very heart. This evening as we stand, hallelujah. It is the heart of the foundation. Amen. What are you building your life on? Hallelujah. I, I don't believe the Lord's going to tarry. I believe the Lord's return is imminent. I believe it's, it's soon. But if He would tarry, however many years, and I, and, I, and I find myself in a ripe old age, amen, like Brother McKinney, oh God, I want to be found faithful then. <laughs> I want to be found with a heart that's pure. I'm not going to get there just by accident. I'm not going to get there without it being intentional. I'm not going to get there unless it's something that I've determined to do. I want to start today. I don't want to wait till next Sunday. I don't want to wait till Easter, but, but I want to start today. I don't want to go another day. I don't want to go another moment. God, without saying, Lord, here, I want you to be my Lord. I, I surrender myself to you. This evening, I want to invite you around this altar today. It is a heart issue. Amen. It's an issue that is of the heart and only you can address it. Only you can open yourself to it. Nobody can do it for you. We're praying. We're believing. We're here to help. But it's got to be your individual decision today. And I encourage you. I plead with you today. Come on. Give the Lord access. Open yourself up to Him. Let Him, hallelujah, be the Lord that he, like He wants to be, like He needs to be. He can transform us. He can renew us. Uh, old things can be passed away. Behold, all things become new when we enter into covenant with Him. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Some maybe tonight need to, need to do a reevaluation. God, I, I, once again, Lord, I'm placing myself on the altar. It's been too long, Lord, and I'm sorry for that. But God, examine me today. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me.